I'm Josh Arnold. And I'm Casey Cordero. And this is Throttle On, the podcast about all things ATV, UTV, and off-road. Today on the show, we're going to talk about the 2018 Textron Off-Road Wildcat XX. It is the all-new vehicle that was just released. We'll go in-depth and give you a full overview of our recent ride review of it. We're also going to talk about our Robbie Gordon experience, which uh, we'll give a brief overview of him as a as a driver and a legend in the off-road sport, and also our fun time aboard the Wildcat XX with him. We'll go over some show notes, um, also some questions for you guys, and of course, like every episode, things that make us happy and what we're currently working on. So before we get started, I also wanted to just promo our um, our. Instagram and Facebook and our basically our social media handles for Throttle On. Uh, you guys can find us at uh, just by searching for Throttle On on either Facebook or Instagram, or you can also connect with us uh, on our personal accounts, which Josh's is Offroad J Arnold, and mine is at Air Cordero. Um, and if you can spell it, that's an extra ten points for you. So <laughs> feel free to connect with us, and uh, we'll be happy to answer any questions and, and that good stuff. And uh, yeah, we're just looking forward to uh, to getting some feedback from you guys and also, um, like I said, just connecting with you all. So without further ado, so Josh, what do you think? You want to uh, get started on this new Wildcat XX? I am super excited about this thing. I really am. We knew that it was coming. We've known for a couple of years that Articat was trying to get that thing to market. And uh, we knew that Robbie Gordon, which will we'll jump into that here in a little while was involved in that. And he's an off-road racer. So he was helping engineer that vehicle. They also told us what a year ago when Textron bought them, bought Articat that they were going to release the Wildcat XX or as they say, the Wildcat double X, they were going to release it, you know, in like spring, March, April of, of 2018. We saw pictures of it or a picture of it. And now it's finally here. People have been wondering for, a handful of years when Articat at the time was going to come out with a real pure sport. I'm not going to say super sport yet, but a real pure sport side by side that could go head to head or even innovate past the Razor and, and the back then like the Maverick XDS, the turbo version right, of the Maverick. Right. And that was even before the X3 came out. So what was Textron's answer going to be to that? And we have it now, and we have had an opportunity to ride it. It's an exciting side-by-side. Like, it's just an exciting one to drive. Absolutely. I think uh, you bring up a great point, too, with, with the the onset of this vehicle and really, you know, us wanting Articat and now the Textron name to, to come out with something different. Um, you know, and like you said, be a competitor, a true competitor to the Razor platform, the Maverick platform, and now the X3 platform from them. Um, the YXZ brings up a good point, too. Um, all these different 1,000cc uh, um, platforms, you know, that uh, that the Wildcat XX now now is right in line with and competes with. Um, so it's pretty cool. We can, we can kind of dive into the specifics, too, of it uh, as far as engine and transmission. You want to uh, give a quick overview of those? Sure. The first thing everybody wants to know is, what are you looking at power numbers? It's 125 horsepower. What's interesting about it is they've gone triple cylinder also, and specifically it's the triple cylinder the Yamaha makes and puts in the YXZ. Yes, this makes me so excited. Yeah, for those of you who have not experienced the YXZ, 
the sound that engine makes is divine. Yes. I like it even more. I hate to say that, but I like it even more in the uh, Wildcat because it's not quite as loud. <laughs> like the, the exhaust is not quite as loud as a whole, but it still has that guttural running sound as it, as it goes. I love it. Yeah. It's what is it? Nine, it's 998 CC three cylinder. And it is a bad engine in the best of ways. Yep. So it's got, if I'm not mistaken, the YXC has a little less horsepower or claimed horsepower than this yes. Wildcat XX. One, okay. 113 on the YXC. Okay. So the, the XX has that 125 and they did that via a couple different modifications. And one of them was to the intake. I know that. Um, the It's a single singular intake coming in instead of three individual ones like on the YXZ, which... You know, it gives you a little different power band. They also, in addition to the intake changes, they uh, reduce the uh, red line and the, the actual revs of the engine. I think we saw right up to 96 or 9700, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds right. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, so it's it, it makes power a little bit lower, which, which uh, for us, it actually, uh, and we'll get into more of the ride review later, but it crawls pretty darn well at about three to four miles an hour. You can put this vehicle in low and I just have a ball, you know, going up uh, the Rocky cliffs. And I mean, it just kind of cruises right up. And one of the other things that's really a boon to that and, and helps that crawling aspect is the CVT transmission, which you don't see in a YXZ. It's just got yeah. a six speed. So I think uh significant, you know, changes as far as, you know, people would say, oh man, they just threw in a YXZ motor. Well, they didn't, you know, they made the, the, uh, the motor changes to it. And then they also threw in this, this transmission that is a CVT clutched vehicle. Um, and it's, it's really actually in, in my mind, I mean, it's, um, it's one of the best CVTs out there as far as clutching and, and they really dialed it in as far as pickup, uh, whether you're in high or low, when you take off. Uh, it's very immediate. It doesn't jerk on you. Um, you know, and that's one of the other things I think was the biggest thing that I noticed uh, with this vehicle is just the fact that, I mean, you can, you can't hear any of the uh, drivetrain noises anywhere, you know, whether you're talking about um, driveline components or transmission uh, or like when the CVT engages back, say you're going down a hill and uh, you're, you know, it's free spooling down and then you, you step on the gas, it, it comes back and um, the CVT engages. I mean, there's no weird jerk or noises or you can't hear the belt slapping or anything like that. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, no one wants to hear a slapping belt. No, no. But, um, <laughs> never heard it put that way, but whatever. Well, it's, it's true though. Like sometimes. <laughs> it sometimes, is totally true. Yeah. I mean, you can, uh, when the, when the clutch engages, I mean, it's the belts in the wrong spot sometimes and it just, you can hear it that the cover is really close to the to the secondary or uh, usually it's more on the secondary clutch, but you can hear it um, catch back yeah. and, and hit. And yeah, you never want to hear that. It's not good. No, no. <laughs> this is a completely new animal from Textron. And, and pardon the pun. I, now that I thought about that, it's the Wildcat double X. So pardon the pun on that. But it is. It's a completely different animal than we see in the other uh, sport pure sports side-by-sides. And that's surprising. They pitched it to us as it's an experience that you haven't had before. And I, I was skeptical. 
when someone tells me that I'm a little skeptical because we've, you know, driven so many of these different side by sides, Mm -hmm. but, but I totally agree. The ride, the experience in this is not like anything else out there right now. And I can say that because, uh, at this point I've driven all the pure sports. Right. And each one, I, I feel like a lot of them have a lot of similarities. And then you have ones that are significantly different. Like the YXE with the manual transmission is significantly different experience than the other ones. But this one to me, the ride on it was significantly different than anything else out there. And they pitched it to us that way. And it turned out to be true. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, just building off of that. I mean, you're somebody finally, I, not only from Robbie Gordon's side, but somebody finally let a shock company do some shock tuning on their vehicle and incorporated it into the production vehicle. It is so nice. So nice. It It, it is. And I, I don't want to jump ahead too much here, yeah. but the ride on it is just outstanding. Oh, we're going to just jump into it. So it has 18 inches of travel front and rear. Mm-hmm. And it has 15-inch wheels which struck me as so interesting and 30 inch tires right off the factory floor. So there's no reason to mess with the wheels and tires at all. I love the fact they've gone to 15 inch tires. It's got 18 inches of travel, but just the way the suspension is set up and it has the trailing arms in the rear, but it does not have, right. It doesn't have extra links links in that system. Right. And, and it's beautiful. The, the, uh, the guys that have been through the desert or any of our listeners who have really grown up in the desert communities, you'll recognize the suspension system and the way that this car is set up from a dune buggy or a trophy truck or something, you know, a race vehicle in the past. And Robbie Gordon, he, when he designed the suspension on this or or co-designed it, I should say. um, Well, he he will tell you, he, he he will tell you, he designed everything about this. This It's uh, it's got some of those aspects that he has, you know, used in the past and aspects from uh, when we look at the front, the shocks are mounted to the lower A arm instead of the top one. It gives you a better shock angle. So it takes on the bumps better. Um, it's uh, it also has front. the So the tie rods and the steering box are located uh, forward of the uh, uh, the front differential. So um, when you're taking on bumps and stuff, it doesn't, you know, I don't know why all the the companies, actually, we do know why, sorry, (laughs) from a packaging standpoint, there's a lot of uh, pros with putting the steering box behind the front differential in a UTV um, to keep everything condensed. But um, in the Wildcat XX, they found the room up front, so they have a front uh, tie rod steering system in there. Um, So that's, uh, it's, it's helping you, you take corners faster and the, the car stays flatter because the suspension and the, the shocks are mounted to the bottom. Um, and we move to the back and like Josh said, you've got that back, uh, trailing arm system and really it keeps the, the motion of the rear suspension condensed. So you're not typically what you'd find in a, in a trailing arm that has a link, um, style setup, like in a, say an X3 or a razor, um, anything like that, whether it's a three or four link system, you have movement not only up and down, uh, but you also have it to the side because there's a there's kind of a, almost a bubble or a half moon motion to the suspension. And that, in, in, in essence, when you're going through whoops and traveling through the desert fast, it's suspension's almost fighting the wheels to some extent. You know, granted, it's 
not that you know Textron was trying to tell us that it was really bad. I mean, it's it's not all that bad when you're fighting through it, but it does put additional pressure on the outside of the wheels and, and the suspension. So this uh, singular motion of the the uh, uh, trailing arm, you know, going in one direction up and down, um, which the other ones do go in one direction. That's the wrong way to say it, but you know, moving in more of a singular fashion up and down. Um, it gives uh, the vehicle a more fluid motion through the suspension travel. And I mean, just like Josh said, we're jumping right into this, but uh, yeah, we've gone all in. Yeah. On this point. I mean, at this point, this is really one thing that sets this vehicle apart is, you know, having these differences, uh, you can feel it going through the whoops. I mean, I can't believe you can start in the middle of a whoop section in this car. And I'm talking like no joke whoops, like two feet deep whoops and, you know, unevenly spaced at that point. And this thing just floats right through it. I just, I was amazed. I was absolutely amazed about it. It was, when I look at it in motion, it really does ride the way a trophy truck looks when it's going across the desert at 100 miles an hour. <laughs> what I mean by that, for those of you who've never seen trophy trucks, you're talking about high, high speed desert racing in a truck with a suspension with enough travel to take you from here to the moon to where they can just float over the top of them. And the suspension is just going up and down and up and up, up and down. But the car itself, the truck stays relatively level. Um, or that's the appearance of it. Right. And by the moon, and, you, yeah, you, it's, it's about three feet in the back, which is huge. Yeah. It's just huge travel numbers, but basically I, I think it's safe. And I know some of you will say, well, this isn't always true. The more travel you have, the better the ride you're going to get. And by that, I mean soaking up bumps. Right. That, so, and yeah, there's caveats to all of that. What's interesting about the Wildcat is it doesn't have the most travel, even though it's way up there. It's at the very top, top three. Uh, but it doesn't have as much travel as like the X3, what? The RS has 20 in the rear, as I recall, right? So the RS think, 24, actually, it's, it's a oh, lot. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. If you watch the Wildcat X go through the, the whoops, <laughs> it just kind of floats over the tops of that stuff. The suspension is going up and down, but but the the side-by-side -side stays pretty, pretty flat through that. And mm -hmm. so that's the effect you get is it can take on that stuff. And we, we compared it to a Razor, and we compared it to even an X3, and I've got to specify it was not the high, high-end X3. It was right. the turbo 120 horsepower with, a, as I recall, 18 inches of travel on that. Yes, and it just had, uh, it was like the, which we'll get into on the XX, but it just had compression adjustments on it. I believe it was just three position on that one. Yeah, too. yeah. So it is, it, to be fair, it's very close to apples to apples comparison there. As opposed to like taking it against the RS version, and you would know because you have one of these, that the ride is probably very similar, but compared to the 120 version of the X3, the double X just ate it for lunch. Yeah. As so, far as the, as far as the whoops go. Yes. So the there's no doubt that the the, uh, the suspension tuning on the XX was better than that version of the X3. Now, I've got that's the, yeah the RS well version. said. Yeah, the RS version was 72 inches wide and and fully adjustable suspension. Now, I've done a ton of tuning on it, and I drove it the day after when we were at King of the Hammers, and 
the suspension on the X3, the way that I have it set up, like it's it's just as good as the XX going through the bumps. There is no doubt about that. Um, but yeah. it does. It takes. You know, it's no. It's worth noting that it's taken me, you know, a couple hours and and tuning sessions to be able to really dial this in as far as. I've had to dial in ride height. I've had to dial in where the crossovers, you know, are and, and all this stuff where the secondary springs come in and the compression adjustments and, you know, you've got high and low speed and rebound settings and everything that comes into this. And, you know, granted, I mean, I like tinkering with this because I can see, I can feel the adjustments that I make, you know, on the X3, whereas, you know, the the Wildcat XX, which I'll mention now, I guess, it, it's got a three-position compression clicker. It's not fully adjustable. Um, however... You know, it rides like it took me a lot of time to dial in the X3, whereas the XX just came like this, you know, and yeah. stuff. So, um, you know, you can't take the hits as much as big with the XX. Robbie proved that when he was launching it off the ground and, <laughs> you know, it was bottoming out and stuff, but it wasn't bottoming hard. I'm not trying to say it was driving bad, but, um, you know, I mean, the X3 and that's extreme. Yeah. Even though we haven't jumped into riding with Robbie Gordon, he was pushing that, that machine to its absolute limits oh yeah absolutely and and most people just do not do that frankly most people myself included even in the side-by-sides we drive a lot we do do not know exactly where that line is because once you find that line many times you find it the hard way and wind up flipped over (laughs) yeah so most people don't have any clue as to how hard you really can push these things before Bad things happen. However, as we know from YouTube videos, there are those people that have no concept and no clue when they find the line immediately right after they buy it and destroy the the machine altogether. Yeah. As we have you all know. found out, it's all about respecting the machine. There's no doubt. Yeah. About it. These things. Happen. I like that's well said. I yeah. like that. Respect the machine. It's true, though. I mean, I've seen we've like you just said, we've all seen too many YouTube videos yeah. and stuff. So anyways, um. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the suspension on it gives you the capability, like you said, to really push it. And the way that it's set up and stuff, it's very stable. Uh, it is 64 inches wide, so that puts it in that nice category yes. where it can still uh, go on some trails, you know, around the country. Uh, there's a couple things we'll get into why it might not be such a great trail machine, too, in the future. But anyways, um, I think... Uh, uh, there's a couple of other things. Uh, the suspension, it's got true dual rate system on the stock Fox shocks. Um, like I said earlier, it's got that three position compression clicker and it does have a set of crossovers on it. So you can kind of dial it in as far as uh, when that secondary spring comes into play and, and how you want it to. Um, I will say too, from a ride perspective, I was really surprised at how, not only how well this thing took the, the whoops and stuff, but there is, because of the proliferation of side-by-sides in this world, uh, and UTVs, there's there's a lot of washboard roads now and like stutter bumps, I like to call them and stuff. And it can get really rough in uh, some other vehicles, some other sport side-by-sides, where this thing, uh, not only does it take the big bumps well, but it really does well through the small chop too, which I was, I, I mean, I couldn't believe it, you know, and stuff. So that, that, was, a, that was a welcome uh, feature of that suspension too, that it's really compliant through the, through the slow going, um, you know, uh, little little tiny bumps as well. I think back about driving it. When you jump on the throttle, the back end squat, again, it reminds me so much of Trophy Truck, which makes sense considering what Robbie Gordon drives. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it rocks back and then the front end comes up and not in a weird way, but just in a nice way. 
and then you can get on top of stuff really quickly and it'll let, it'll kind of plane back out. But when you let off the gas, then the front end comes back down a little bit and somewhere in all of that, all I know is the ride is, is I was blown away. Yeah. We're going to have to do a complete episode of just talking about uh, shock tuning and suspension setup and all of that. But the average person is not going to do any of that because they don't know how to do any of that. The average person wants something that's super easy. I mean, the adjustments they're going to do is the three clicks or on a lot of razors, I fiddle with the clickers on the shocks just to soften it or, or, or harden it, uh, get more ride height or whatever I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much the extent. And this, this has an outstanding ride with minimal tinkering to it. Yep. And man, it, it made for so much fun to get on the, when you're out in the desert and you can just hammer, you know, put the hammer down and take on these whoops. Not only is it fun, but it's kind of like amazing that you can do that without constantly bottoming out or, or having to slow down because your teeth have popped out. <laughs> That's just what I remember about driving this. And yes, it's the power is great and the power is dialed in well. You combine the power with the suspension and those those are the the two wow factors to me. Yeah. I mean it's... it it was it was really unbelievable to drive. Oh well, I wanted to say this. When we were talking about the, the way the rear wheels travel up onto the suspension and trailing arms and A arms as compared to trailing arms or whatever. What I noticed distinctly was if you have seen that Razor Dynamics review that both Casey and I did, and I'm driving the Razor in whoops at 60 miles an hour in one of those photos, almost, I mean, and some of those photos that you took came out, I I would hang one of those on the wall. It's so good. But (laughs) I I just remember thinking, okay, I'm going to make this look good. And I'm going to try to get this suspension to compress and try to get the wheels off the ground. And I will tell you that what happens is when the rear end starts to buck, it a lot of these side-by-sides, because of the linkage in the rear suspension, it bucks sideways. So <laughs> the back end starts dancing on you. And it is, until you get used to it, you talk about a pucker factor. Yeah. Like you, you have to begin to steer into the buck. And this, this thing did not do that because it was traveling straight up and down, basically straight up and down, as opposed to not only up, but sideways a little bit when it bows out, when those rear wheels come off the ground and they bow out and the double X doesn't do that to speak of. Yeah. And the difference in that is it doesn't tend to bounce sideways in the rear end. And, and that's wonderful. I was all about not bouncing sideways in the rear end. Of yeah, that, you, I think of you that had that a different name, name for it instead of Pucker Factor when we were out there, but I'll, I'll keep that off the record. Yeah, I don't even remember what it was, but I'm sure it was fantastic. <laughs> oh, man, like you said, you can. this thing is so awesome because you can change your line in the middle of the whoop section. You know, you see a... Uh, you see a gotcha or a big bump coming up, you know, that's that's uh, separated different, but the right side has a better line. No problem. Just, you know, steer it over just a little bit. She follows you right where you want to go. doesn't have any stepping out in the back. 
life's good. And you could be going 60 miles an hour over, you know, two, three foot deep whoops and totally change your line. It was pretty cool. It was, it was unreal. Yeah. It was, it really was. It was unreal. A huge fun factor to the ride on this. Yeah. And another, one of the coolest things too, is, I mean, you, not only the ride, but you can throw it into corners. It's super stable. Um, it is low. So one of the changes that we all kind of talked about, we would make is, uh, actually increasing the ride height, maybe three quarters to an inch somewhere in there just to try it. Um, I think, you know, as far as, you know, a lot of times from the factory, they set them up really low so that you can, uh, so you don't feel like the car is going to roll over on you or anything. And Frankly, I think they could use just a little bit more preload. Um, we were all the way stiff on the compression settings, and it was still, like we were talking about earlier, it was still fine as far as ride and, um, you know, and even in the even in the chop and everything. I mean, it, it wasn't rough by any means. So I keep it on that full compression uh, in the back. I think we had it on setting two in the front, um, and it was fine. So nothing, uh, not too many adjustments, you know, to be made from the factory, but said just maybe increase that uh suspend or that ride height a little bit yeah let's see we've talked i mean we talked about the ride obviously we've talked about the engine the engine is just wonderful yeah I, I, go ahead sorry. and and it's still a high revving engine as as even though the yamaha revs to like 10 5 or 11 and this revs to what was it like 9 7 yep I think that's something something right in there so that's still a high revving engine and, and that triple cylinder, as we mentioned, is just a fantastic motor. Yep. It's speed limited um, to 75 at that nine, seven, uh, 75 miles per hour. And it's yeah. revving right at that nine, seven. We hit 75. I'll have you know that myself and another editor, uh, we kept trying to get it up there to see when it was going to top out. And we had to work for the 75. <laughs> Getting probably to 70, no problem. But that last handful of mile, mile an hour, because this thing weighs more than most side-by-sides because it's built heavier duty than yeah. most of them out there. Probably all of them, but since I don't have the weight of all of the two seats out there, I can't say that definitively. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. You mind? No, not at all. Okay, cool. So the <laughs> I'm jumping right in, baby. I, no. That's right. <laughs> I segue beautifully on that. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I love it. The uh, the chassis, like you were saying, is built better for sure. And there's a couple aspects that uh, are key to point out on that. One, I'll work from back to front here just to make it uh, smooth. So the uh, the back of the chassis is kind of reminiscent, again, of a buggy chassis. So the uh, the engine and transmission, uh, all of that that section of it, actually, it's six bolts. And that section of the frame drops out the bottom of the car, just like a buggy would um, and stuff. So you can, you, if you wanted to, you could unplug the, the intakes and uh, the cooling system and the wiring harness and basically take this thing out of, or in the drive shafts, obviously, but uh, you could, you could lower the powertrain out of this vehicle, uh, you know, fairly easily with just those six bolts. Um, so that was a really cool feature. And the bed of it actually, uh, I think it's four, four screws, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so you you unscrew those four screws out of the bed of the vehicle, and that whole plastic uh, bed comes out of it and allows for really easy access to literally the entire powertrain system. Uh, whether you're changing spark plugs or changing oil or whatever, um, it's it's all easy to get to. Yeah, me. I would say I, they told us 
that serviceability was a higher priority in the engineering. Mm-hmm. I would say it's the most serviceable side by side on the market when when you get into doing the more extreme stuff. Like they really did engineer it to be if you need to drop a diff out, you can do that without standing on your head. If you need to get to this, you can do that with a handful of bolts and not 25. Yeah. I mean, I was joking with Robbie about it, you know, and you could, if you were going to go race the XX, you know, you could easily do that and you could literally just carry one of these back half sections of the frame in your truck, in your chase truck or your trailer, whatever. And it has, like, if you were going to go race the Bob 1000, you could just have an engine, a spare engine and transmission just sitting there and you could do a full swap in probably, I don't know, 45 minutes, an hour. Challenge I mean, accepted. Yeah, it's seriously, you can't do that on any other car and, and pull out everything that easily. You got to pull it out the back of the car, whereas this one, you unhook all the stuff and it's and you just drop it out the bottom and stuff. I mean, you could literally do it with a floor jack and just change it all out and be ready to go, you know, and, and finish the race easily within time. So, yeah, not that you would have any yeah. problems because it's it's a solid build, but, you know, races, obviously racing is a different yeah. scenario. That was another thing that was pretty evident in looking at this was the durability factor is extreme on this machine. When Articat started this, and certainly when Textron finished it, but clearly they were trying to step up the quality and the durability of their machines. And this is the the culmination of that because it is durably built. And it's obvious when you look at it. I mean, the A-arms on the front of this are significantly bigger than anything else on the market. And I mean significant. Like, I don't know. I don't remember what the diameter was. But you look at it and you go, my gosh, that's a tank. Yeah. And the and the chassis and, and the way it, the front end attaches to the chassis. And just the framing of it, it's all tubular steel and yeah, so to get a, right along with that beefiness, literally with the front A-arms, uh, you know, it completes it on the outside with one-piece aluminum spindles. I mean, the, the A-arms connect to the spindles with uniballs. I mean, it's, it's a legit system there. And not to mention, too, uh, on the interior of the arms, uh, it's got a full bulkhead where the top of the shock, front shocks actually mount. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a strength, strengthening item that um, we've been looking to see on a UTV for years. Yeah when you put them into extreme conditions, there are points of failure. Yes. And I mean, this thing is like, it's like a tank. Right. I was, I was just astounded. You can just look at it and, and you start looking at the parts and you go, this is a whole different class of, of strong. Right. And it, I mean, it it continues right to the cage. You know, the first thing you see, not, not only the plastics, but uh, the cage itself is strong. I mean, it's got the supports in the front. Uh, you know, coming stock from the factory and it's got a nice, like it's a, it's a heavy duty. Uh, I'm not sure on the OD of the, uh, uh, the cage itself or the thickness of the steel, but yeah, I don't remember exactly what the OD is. Yeah. I think it's inch and a half, but uh, um, the uh, yeah, I mean just the, the, the cage itself um, on that outside, the roll cage is built really well. It's got gussets um, on it, and, you know, from the factory. It's a, it's a legit system. Let's put it that way. Like I said, it's astounding. And for all of you listening, like most of you are never going to race a vehicle, any of these vehicles. But from a durability standpoint, I can attest to the fact the double X is a whole new level of durable 
from just looking at the parts, the right. durability of the parts, I would say it blows the competition out of the water from that aspect. You I think that's have fair. To use, yeah. And you, I think you, that's a fair statement. Exactly. You don't have to use a whole lot of aftermarket parts to, to beat this thing up. I mean, it's already there. So, yeah. It's a good, you know, when you buy it, it's a good thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Because most of you are not going to drop a front diff or whatever out of the drivetrain on the side of the trail anywhere. And you're not probably going to mess with the suspension. Uh, but for those of you who want to be able to do that, you can, <laughs> you can. <laughs> uh, oh man. All right. All righty. So we've talked so much about how it drives and how it rides and all this good stuff. So let's rock and roll and talk about the interior a little bit, because that's really where the magic happens. Don't you agree? I totally agree. The level of, of details Textron put into this thing really shows on the interior that are new, like new to the industry, kind of a different standard of, I know we said this before of engineering and getting to stuff. You've got to talk seating position. Give me your take on the seating position. Oh man, here we go. Well, okay. So uh, as many of you may or may not know, Josh and I are different heights. So our seating position take will be uh, different in that regard. Huge <laughs> different heights. Yeah, you know. that's okay. So yeah, it's, it's all part <laughs> of the fun. So we, I'm, I'm six foot three. And so typically I feel like I'm sitting up super tall. And so there's, there's a couple cars in the industry that don't have that tall seating position. And the XX is one of those vehicles. Now, you sit, I have, I have some issues with the seat to be perfectly honest. Like it's, yeah, it's still a little, well, it's, uh, it's a little like hard. The, yeah. And the bottom cushion is not very long. So with my long legs, like I don't, I don't have a lot of support there with, uh, just with a long bottom cushion and there's not quite enough, uh, bolstering on the sides Definitely. so that your body really stays in a place. I still would change those items. Like if you put a set of aftermarket seats in this thing, it would be just yeah. absolutely Woo. Watch out. Oh, wow. Watch your bum <laughs> is what I should say. But anyways, back to the seating position. It is really low. It's still got enough height. You know, like you're still sitting up just far enough to where you can see over the front dash and, and everything in a, in a very clear way. Uh, the only thing I noticed, too, is that, you know, yes, it sits low, but the, the front fenders, especially those flares on the uh, front right and obviously right and left corners, they they're a little high so that when you're rock crawling and stuff, it, it was difficult for me to see what the next rock was, especially if I was pointed already at an uphill. Stand. Yes. So give yes. me your take on it. Oh, you hit the nail on the head with the sight lines. So if you've, for whatever the reason, if you guys have seen our pictures, I am five, six on a good day with cowboy boots on. <laughs> it's that's what it says on my driver's license. Five, six. So it, it didn't bother me from the standpoint. I still feel well planted in the vehicle. And I totally agree with everything you said about I f you sit on top of the seat. You don't sit in the seat. Yes. And when you're screaming through the desert at high speeds, I want my butt to stay where my butt is sitting. And you can't get that with these seats that it's not that they're necessarily uncomfortable as much as you're just not firmly planted in them. Cause you sit on top of, it. I would bolster those seats and I would make it even a little more cushion. So you kind of sink into that spot, but I, the sight lines out the front are a little challenging for someone like me for most of it, not a problem, but when you're rock crawling, 
you better pick your line before it disappears under the hood, especially with the longer wheelbase in this one. And I found when you crest a hill, a good incline, it made me nervous because I could not see down the other side until I was well up onto the top. And, and there were times where I had to get to the top, stop, and then kind of hang my head to the side to see where the trail was going to go. And that made me super nervous on some of the stuff we were taking it over. There are pros and cons, I know, to being on top of things or being in things. And at super high speeds, I'm sure that being in things are better than being on top. But on the slow rock crawling scenarios with, as you said, the fenders and the sidelines, I was, I had to be extra careful and I noticed it. Yes, when you're cresting dunes or I can think of if you were in the sand, or uh, going around some t- uh, some hilly climbs in the trees and stuff, then you would uh, you definitely have to adjust your driving a little bit um, to be able to accommodate for those sight lines. So uh, another really kind of fun uh, new accessory, or or I guess it's not really accessory, but it's a piece to the to the interior that I found really useful is that that center dash. Now, granted. Uh, the way that this is laid out, it's very, very carish, right? Is that yes. a good way to describe it? Yeah. Okay. Very much so. So it's very, and it's very driver focused. So everything in the middle, besides the key position, I couldn't get over the key position. Yeah, the right key position was odd. Yeah, it was odd. I don't know why they would do that, but anyways, um, it is what it is. So they're not the yeah. only ones that do that, by the way, where the gear <laughs> shift is kind of like in the way of how you put the key in. Right. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird. I'm not sure. So the, the, the key position could be changed for sure. Uh, or just, you know, put the shifter like so that the, the, the height of the shifter is not so high and then you'd be fine too. But yeah, anyways, uh, that, that center, the center dash is very driver focused. Uh, it's very nice. And it also has, it's all got all the cutouts. I can't remember how many, but it's four or five, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Four. Exactly. So four for the, uh, for the auxiliary switches and uh, the wiring systems already made for different accessories, that kind of stuff, which is absolutely a boon to to this vehicle too. Um, plug and play is is the name of the game here, so you can uh, you can put all your accessories on it that you would want, um, and then that that center dash area above the switches and the key area is made for an iPad Mini, to where you can. Um, I mean, you can hardwire one in if you want. They've got a holster for it uh, that's available as an accessory. And I mean, you can have your full navigation system. Yeah. It's good to uh, it's good to be able to have that. Now, granted, you got to buy an iPad, you got to buy the holster, you got to be able to, you know, you don't have to wire it in, but obviously, it's going to be more useful, so you don't have to take it out and charge it every day um, <laughs> and stuff. So, it's uh, like I said, it's a very driver focused dash. Um, I do, and you should uh, comment on this one too, but I do think that the the actual um, dash or uh, instrumentation cluster for the Wildcat XX could have been a little bit more updated. I felt like it was really kind of old school style, uh, but it gave you the information you needed and it was clear to read. So that's good. Yeah. And they, they, when you turn the key on, it's dramatic. Um, yes. I didn't really yes. notice it as much being outdated as I just didn't notice it. It didn't make, it didn't leave an impression. Right. And see, I think as an example, can ams always leave an impression when you turn them on, especially the the higher end ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was just, um, uh, like I said, I didn't really recall noticing anything. So maybe that says it all. I I do very much appreciate 
that it's mounted, the instrument cluster is mounted on the steering wheel. So if you adjust the steering wheel, it stays in the proper position regardless. Yes. And that's a big deal. Uh, Textron, the, the Stampede does not do that, and I can't see the screen, and that's really frustrating. Yeah, the column is very adjustable, by the way, too. I yes. don't remember the degree amount, but I mean, it's plenty for no matter how, what size or tall you are, it doesn't matter. So. Yeah, and the steering wheel is is um, square on the bottom. It's mm-hmm. a flat steering wheel. I know that's a big deal in racing so that your knees don't pop up and, and hit the steering wheel, but of course, I don't find that a problem in this vehicle at all. Yeah, and, and the dashboard, I think the dashboard is very clever and it's angled towards, clever as in, it's laid out so that you can add all the stuff, like Casey said. I think having switches pre-wired is really smart. A lot of people want that nav system now, and I personally want it mounted in the dashboard just to keep it out of the way. I don't have something else to mount in a weird you know, space. And the glove box on it is huge. I forget how many gallons, but it's very, very large. So there's... Yeah, there I is, think it's four or five. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot. They and joked about... there's a cigarette lighter in there. Yes. Yes, there is one in there. And I've noticed that's becoming a little more common, I guess. So you can put your phone in there and charge it without it being exposed. Yeah. And I, I guess and, I should say a 12 volt socket. Yeah. A cigarette lighter. But anyways, and so, yeah. switch, switch, uh, an auxiliary switch spot too. So you could, uh, you could have another, I don't know what you would put in there. Maybe a, a, a light because the glove box is so big. You might want to put a little uh, dome light extra accessory yeah. in there or something, <laughs> but you know, Hey, you could put the switch on it if you wanted to, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you can fit a jacket, or they were joking about a gallon of milk, which, looking at it, I think that would be possible. Oh, yeah, or then like it, four gallons. Of milk. Yeah. Probably not four, but maybe three. Thinking back on it, in between the two seats, now you don't have a glo- like a, a center console, which I kind of wish. I, I like a center console, but that's just me. It does have the cup holders. But behind, right in between the two seats on the back wall, that panel comes off and you have places you can pre-wire stuff. Mm-hmm. And the battery sits right there. You can get to the battery without having to crawl around or without it being difficult to get to at all. You can get to the battery right there. And I thought that their level of engineering uh, accessibility to the electrical system was impressive in this one. Absolutely. And it's got the... Ex, uh, so it's got an alternator, an actual external alternator. 65 is, amp. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a big deal. You know, and you could always, theoretically, I don't actually know if this is true, but I'm assuming that you could upgrade the alternator <laughs> but we're, as well. Again, we're we're professionals. Yeah, so. yeah right. <laughs> I need to do a little more research in that. But I'm assuming, that, I mean, just like any other alternator, you could, uh, you could upgrade it as well and get even more, uh, you know, charging capacity out of it as well. Yeah. Of course, you have full doors. And they're calling them full doors. They're really full half doors. So they don't go all the way, obviously, to the cage. But they come up, and they're like a car. I will say I was I was impressed with the engineering on that. But they're like a car and easy to use, and you feel secure when you're sitting in the seat. And those doors seem like they closed firmly. I always double-check doors on anything when it's when it matters. When we're going to go fast... I make sure those doors latch. It also has this integrated grab handle in the dashboard for the passenger, and there's one in the door, which I like. I personally, and some of the shorter people, commented the level of stretch you have to do to grab a hold of that handle as a passenger. As a short person, seems kind of significant. 
Like it was not comfortable for me. And it was not just me, but those of us who were a little bit shorter, I'm sure for you, it would be fine. Long yeah. Run. Yeah. <laughs> what we also didn't comment. There is, there's the intrusion bar on the cage and that comes standard. You not only have the ROPS cage, but you have the V in the front for more protection in the event of throwing it into a corner way too fast, yeah. uh, which nobody wants to do that. Yeah. You don't want, you don't to, want to do that. Uh, or, you know, outside. <laughs> Structures collapsing on you. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we do not condone that kind of activity. But overall, the interior, I thought, was really well thought out and laid out. Oh, uh, one thing I did notice, this machine has the Textron two-wheel drive, four-wheel drive, and then you can lock the diff manually, which, of course, we all know that's what I love. However, the switch they're using is the classic Articat side-by-side switch, and I'm not a fan of that. I really wish they would move to just a rocker, a regular rocker switch for those settings or a dial or something. But what happens is to lock the diff in, you have to push forward on the rocker and then push down on the little diff lock. And if you're not paying attention and make sure that the light lights up red, you wind up not being in diff lock. And I had that happen on this trip when we were rock crawling up a significant, like pick your line or else spot and thought the diff was locked and it wasn't. And it was real obvious when we brought a front wheel off the ground that we did not have the diff locked and that could be bad. Not only that, but its position is kind of hard to get to as well because it's all the way on the bottom of the, that center dash section. So it's hard to get to and they need to ditch that switch. That switch has always been not good. And apparently that, he doesn't yeah. like the safety switch people. Yeah. And that's the way when, when we brought it up and it wasn't just me. So it's not just me, Casey. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't like that stupid switch. Uh, and, and the response was, Hey, you want extra precaution when you go into diff lock. Well, that's just an engineer who doesn't stay, spend a lot of time in the field saying that uh, because all the other ones on the market are a turn dial or a, just push a button and some of them you do have to move something and then push a button. They're still easy to do and there's no mistaking that the diff gets locked. Right. And, and that's never caused a problem before. So I seriously doubt it would be a problem here. Yeah. I'm uh no, I'm with you on that. I mean, it was, I was wearing gloves the entire time and it was not easy to put my finger, you know, granted here we go with the shifter issue again, but that, yeah, same, that same is issue right there. Yeah, right. Next to the key. And so the, yeah. uh, you know, having to grab the, the bottom of my, uh, sorry, but using my point of view, grab the bottom of the switch, push the, or, you know, use, uh, basically push that safety out of the way and then push it forward was not, uh, wasn't the fastest thing. I'd rather, just like you said, either have two switches, one that puts it in four wheel drive yeah. and then the one next to it that just has unlock and lock, you know, or something. I mean, just put two rocker switches, it, it would just cost a couple extra cents and, and yeah. be much wider. So. <laughs> well, and all of the ones now are electronically engaged anyway, and the system protects itself. If you hit the diff lock at 40 miles an hour, it's not going to go in. Even though the rocker switch moves, it's not going to go in. So that's just a cop-out, frankly. Yeah, just yeah. give me a different switch. <laughs> yeah. This one does go in and out of diff lock very smooth, and it does mm -hmm. go in and out of four-wheel drive. At, and you can uh, hear... I, you can hear that electronic actuator engage and you can hear it in a lot of machines if you listen for it. Yes, exactly. You know? I mean, I, no, I, I agree. And I, I liked uh, the fact that 
you could you could take it in and out of four wheel drive. Granted, non lock diff mode, but you right. could take it in and out of four wheel drive at any speed seemingly. I mean, I tried it at fifty miles an hour and it worked. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's not like a players, for example, you got to slow down to either six or nine miles an hour, um, you know, and put it in four wheel drive. So this is, uh, it's nice to not have to do that. Passenger room, you had plenty of room. That's oh sure. yeah, you got plenty of room. The passenger room. seat is not adjustable though. Yeah. Um, and the doors, like you said, I mean, I, I, I enjoy them. They're definitely, if I'm, if I'm rating the stock doors out of every stock machine, sport machine in this industry, I firmly believe that they're the best because they give you the most coverage. Yeah. So they don't have uh, the dreaded hole in the middle of in the bottom. I mean, everybody just needs to come with full doors. It's, it's kind of, totally. it should just be an industry standard. As we wrap this up, how about the two things we like the most about it? And two things we would change. Does that sound fair? Sure. Do you want oh. me to start with that one? Sure. You sound like you're anxious to go. Yes. So anxious. I'm thinking while I'm saying it. No, I'm serious. I'm, I'm sensing so, sarcasm. No, the the first one that I liked is is so obvious to me. It's it's crazy, but the uh, suspension on it is uh, is just it's it's all new for the UTV industry. It sets a precedent. I think uh, it's going to make other manufacturers turn their heads a little bit. And I think that's a great thing because it's pushing the industry forward. Just the way that the front shocks mount to the lower arms, uh, it's got front steer on it. Uh, and then the back shocks with the, uh, or the back shocks, the back steer, suspension system with uh, this, the trailing arms and stuff. I think that entire setup uh, is absolutely amazing for it. Um, the other thing that I really like about it is the fact that it is built so sturdy. Now, granted, you can the weight difference is there. You can the feel weight it. is there. Yeah. Yes, you can feel it when you drive, and uh, the numbers tell that story as well, uh, because it just it just weighs more. It weighs over eighteen hundred pounds, um, wet. But at the same time, um, you know, it's like there's a full front bulkhead, you know, holding the steering system, the uh, front, sorry, the front suspension, um, you know, on and stuff, and uh, and where the shocks mount to in the front uh the the rear is you know obviously built really well and the and most most importantly is the cage the rob structure is built um really really well for a stock vehicle um it's basically race ready from what we've heard as far as you just have to weld on the bungs you just have to weld the bungs together uh you know on where the cage attaches to the main frame and, and you're good to go as far as racing so not that most racers will do that but the option <laughs> is there so uh, those between the suspension and the uh, build quality, uh, is those are two things that I'm, I'm just astonished with. And I'm really excited, um, for this because I think, like I said, it's going to push the industry forward. Um, two things that I'm not so excited about. I think they're, I think they both probably revolve around the interior. Um, you know, the, the seats are, are not uh, great. They need to take some, some notes from the Can-Am and the X3 model just to, as far as bolstering and, and great uh you know um just seating quality and stuff uh and the other thing is i don't think it uh besides the doors um i i don't know how much it really pushes the industry forward so that it feels like they're kind of playing catch up which is is not a bad thing they've they've had a lot of catching up to do uh you know but there's nothing that's on the interior wise it's really pushing the industry forward. So that's what I would, I would say, uh, um, would be my two things. You're really all about pushing the industry forward. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, you look at, 
uh, I mean, both in, in very many aspects, you know, um, and I know I keep coming back to it, but Yamaha did it with their, their three-cylinder motor. I mean, Can-Am did it because of a host of different items from the suspension and, and engine departments and stuff. And then Polaris has always pushed the industry forward because, uh, I mean, granted, uh, one of my favorite aspects is ride command and how that's integrated into the entire vehicle. And, you know, uh, that that system itself and, and, you know, I mean, there's a million things I can name. But at the same time, um, you know, I think those, as far as the interior aspect, I think they focused on the exterior things. The suspension definitely moves things forward with the XX, but uh, the interior just doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't push that next envelope for me. Yeah. Well, I agree with you on every, everything that you said. And I would, I would just say my two favorite things, the way that the engine, just the engine and what they did to it made it with a CVT was really interesting to me. I mean, and, and that engine from Yamaha is just amazing. And they're they're pulling more power out of it, and just the way it interacts with your foot, I really like that. That's a great <laughs> way to describe it. <laughs> uh, I I have a very simple criteria: plenty of power, even though it does weigh more, which I don't mind that at all. When you look at the build, how heavy duty it's built, you're still I mean it's still limited out at 75 miles an hour, and there's no doubt that a turbo is coming. You can buy them aftermarket already as of right now. Um, and then there'll probably be one from the factory shortly, but the platform is there. So uh, power wise, it's got, it's set up to have the power to be as competitive as it needs to be. But I like the engine really, really like the engine. And I obviously I'm going to agree with you on the ride. I was going to try to pick something different, I just love the ride on it. I continue to think back on that ride and think it's just a different experience. And I really liked it. It's nothing like I've, I've driven on the pure sport side of it, just a little bit different. And according you, you have more understanding of all of that and the springs and the, the suspension and how they set it up. It just has no trouble eating up high speed whoops or, or, rocky stuff it it just it's like it just doesn't bother it at all more so than the competitors that i've driven and i've driven most except for the rs the x3 rs which you have and you say it's completely competitive but you had to work with it to get it there this one is just there and that's what a lot of us need mm -hmm. so um so that's what i would say uh two things that i was not a huge fan on and i pointed out a few here and there from, I'm going to go back for me. The CVT is great and it is very gentle. And I do completely understand that it's, it's really built for high speed action. But the EBS on it is not good. Because the CVT lets go very, very easily. Even in low range, which I tried in some of the rock crawling time I had. And I... I just wish that I could point it downhill, let off the gas, and not have it let go so easily. Uh, for a lot of us, the EPS on it is so light that there's very little feedback as to what's going on with the front wheels. It wasn't a deal killer for me, but I can see why you'd want more feedback to really feel what the 
what the machine is doing, especially at higher speeds. But it was not a deal killer because I had a lot of confidence in the capability it has. So it didn't bother me as much as I just went. A lot of people are probably going to want more feedback in the in the power steering. So those are the two things for me that really stood out as I would tweak these a little bit. Mm -hmm. Driving it around with Robbie Gordon that day uh, was definitely an experience in and of itself just because he has, you know, over 10,000 race miles in this car already. And he just, he was able to push it to an entirely new level. Now, granted, we don't push it that hard because we're, uh, well, we do push it hard, but not at, at his level. No, um, you know, because not at we're his at a, level at an intro and, and that kind of stuff. And yeah, I mean, he obviously has the experience um, to back up his, his driving prowess, but uh, you know, he just, he was able to push it to, to that next level where, I mean, the car, you know, he can throw it into corners. He can go uh, and, and literally crest these hills and, and fly it through the air, uh, you know, with, with seemingly ease that the car just does it, you know, without a problem. Um, you know, it, it, uh, it bottomed out a couple times for him. The suspension did, but, uh, it's so nice because they engineered it, uh, Textron engineered it to where they, uh, they still have three and a half inches of clearance underneath the vehicle when it bottoms out in the suspension. And so, you know, you don't get any harsh bottoms. You don't, uh, it doesn't just, you know, hit the ground really hard, you know, and just uh, reverberate right through your spine, you know, and stuff. Huh. It's, uh, nobody wants it's that. It's nice, you know. Yeah. And I mean, you can throw it in the corners and center of gravity is so nice that, uh, you don't, you know, it doesn't roll over on you or anything. So, anyways, Robbie just, like I said, he was able to push it to that next level and, and really show us the capability of it. Um, for me, I mean, I've been watching him since I was a kid, you know, drive off road and stuff. So it's fun to really, uh, you know, ride with him, see how he pushes the vehicle and that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a testament to, to how this thing has developed. So overall, like you said, it was, it's a, it's definitely pushing the industry forward in, in, in very specific and, and great ways. And, um, yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a good one for a long time. Also kind of to wrap this, that up. Our written reviews will be out in the in the March issue of UTV Sports and the March April of ATV and UTV Escape Mag. You guys can check that out. We'll put the links to that on our show notes for this episode. We're gonna wrap things up by saying things that make us happy. <laughs> oh, so man. this we're gonna give you two things um, that that we have found this week that makes us happy, and I think Casey. You should go first. <laughs> oh, man, I'm excited for this one because I think uh, based off the fact that I was just kind of on a road trip, any road trip is made better with Boom Chica Pop popcorn. <laughs> any road trip. I feel and like there's a song the going purple, on there. Oh, my God. If you haven't seen Boom Chica Pop popcorn yet. Now, granted, it gets everywhere in the truck. There is no doubt. And there's no <laughs> way to, to put that, like to contain that awesomeness, you know, when you get taken out of the bag. But. Uh, I mean, Jess and I roll through, you know, I don't even know. I don't even want to admit how much of that we roll through, but it's uh it's a guilty pleasure. And man, it is so much fun to have boom, chica pop popcorn. So if you haven't checked it out yet, the best place to go get it is actually Costco because they have <laughs> massive bags of it. If you don't want so much, then you can find it in the healthy section of your store, uh, local store and stuff, which is funny that it's in the healthy section. I was about to ask that what, and the healthy se section, why? Yeah. I know it's, it's crazy, but it's, it's actually, I mean, granted popcorn, you know, has other not so great facets of why 
it's not great for you, but at the same time, uh, it's very limited ingredients. So uh, apparently it's in the healthy section. I don't know. Okay. So what about you, man? Okay. Enough with my popcorn. I found something that we got in the mail that I looked at the cover and went, this makes me happy. I would consider myself a bit of a barbecue connoisseur and That's and smoked and, and a connoisseur of the smoked meats. I mean, who doesn't like barbecue? We got this, uh, you know, one of the little catalogs for, from the New Bronzeville Smokehouse, which is here in Texas. It's off 35, uh, Highway Interstate 35, down kind of in the middle of the state. It's New Bronzeville's, and it, it's settled by German, by the Germans. So they have all kinds of, of meats available. And this smokehouse just makes some amazing stuff. You can, I'm sure their website is like, I would think it's New Smokehouse.com, But just, you can Google New Bronzeville Smokehouse. Find their website. You can order stuff. We've done that. It's fantastic. I mean, I, I, it's... And so as soon as I saw the catalog, I was like, ooh, I think I might have to order something. And that makes me happy. So you can taste it through the pages? That's that right. That's as a photographer and as a, like an aspiring photographer that always wants to get better. I look at that stuff sometimes and I like, I could be a food photographer. That would be a fun job. Yeah, I'm not even going to go right into there. how much they stage the, that photography and how sometimes it's not even real food, edible food. It's like painted. But we don't want to tell all the secrets of the industry or anything, but, um, yeah, uh, that would, that made me happy the moment I saw it. Nice. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to go and actually get some. <laughs> we'll have to go down to new Bronzeville sometime when you come to Texas. There you go. Seriously. We'll it. do that. So there yeah. you go, guys, we're going to wrap this up. We, as always, uh, we'll put everything up that we talk about. We'll put it in our show notes at throttleonpodcast.com. We really appreciate you listening. Please tell others about us. And also, please uh, give us a shout out on like our Throttle On Facebook page. Ask us questions. If when we talk about these vehicles, ask us questions that you want to know. If you have anything specific and any any feedback that you would like from us, please throw that up there, be it on Twitter or again, all of our social media links are on our show notes. But let us know what you want to know about. We want your input. We want this to be a two-way street. That's what's so cool about the world we live in today. You can find all that stuff through all on podcast.com. So as always, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode. There you go, guys. Thanks for listening.